through the government-appointed Commission on Truth and Reconciliation. On New Year's Eve 1999, President Museveni read a statement declaring Uganda as a nation embracing the Lordship of Jesus Christ. In a formal covenant, the nation renounced occult practices of the past and asked God to forgive Uganda of sins against Him. Years ago, Bob Hunter prayed for Uganda to have one Christian leader rise up in the capital city. Today, in the capital city of Kampala, five dozen government officials gather in prayer meetings every morning, five days a week, to pray for God to bless and guide their nation. Bob Hunter's pivotal prayer to make a difference in Uganda had done just that. Praying to make a difference in this world is unselfish praying. That's because in all likelihood, praying to make a difference is going to cost us something. It's probably going to make us incredibly uncomfortable and take us into places spiritually and geographically we wouldn't dare go unless God birthed it in our hearts. You see, whether it's a relationship, a particular circumstance, or a a cultural issue which is pressing for societal change, praying to make a difference in the lives of others is a refreshing engagement of God compared to the myopic mantras that are prayed like, God bless me and mine, that's so often heard these days. The American Christian culture, so often hypnotized by consumerism and self-interest of late, has been plagued with egocentric praying. We might as well say before we begin, God, (laughs) it's all about me, because that's where we spend a lot of our prayer time. But imagine for a moment with me, friends, the potency of pivotally interceding for others, to get beyond ourselves, to get beyond our ailments, to get beyond our discomforts, to get beyond our problems, and focus on those whose lives are in far greater desperation. Now, it's not as if God doesn't care about our problems. Of course He does. However, praying to make a difference in a nation, praying to make a difference in a world where so much difference needs to occur, means connecting with God on behalf of others, even when our personal world is looking dim. Jesus Christ, with all the pressures of public ministry upon Him, facing growing opposition, knowing his destiny, the horror of death, and all the accompanying injustice, still pivotally prayed for others on a regular basis. The picture couldn't be clearer. Praying to make a difference in this world means we are going to have to get over ourselves and through our problems and see us having a greater purpose in life. It's not that God doesn't want us to go to Him about our needs. He just doesn't want us to stop there. And let's be honest, so often in our prayer lives, we do. You see, praying to make a difference is unselfish praying. As well, praying to make a difference rejects the status quo of oppression. Praying to make a difference really does reject the status quo of oppression or injustice in our world. Britain's William Wilberforce, at the end of the 18th and beginning of the 19th centuries, prayed pivotally 
to make a difference in the lives of slaves in the United Kingdom and slave owners in the United Kingdom. He said, May God enable me to have a single eye and a simple heart desiring to please God and to do good to my fellow creatures. But outlawing slavery within Britain's parliament and among England's financial power brokers would carry with it a great sacrifice and great personal discomfort for Wilberforce. However, for 20 long years he prayed, and he tenaciously worked with the nation's leaders to, to end what he called when referring to slavery, quote, a course of wickedness and cruelty as never before disgraced in a Christian country, end of quote. Wilberforce prayed and made a difference. His courage and Parliament's eventual vote to abolish slavery became a model and case study for the growing abolitionist movement in the United States. In the